Hello everyone, welcome again to Sunday service at Ananda Village, those online, those in person. My name is Brahmachari Sagar and I have Nayaswami Jaya with, you, uh, with me. And the reading from Rays of the One Light for this week is Living in the Presence of God. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25, we read of a king, capitalized for the reference is to God, who welcomes certain devotees to the divine consciousness, saying, I was a hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. The elect asked him when it was they had served him in these ways. And the king answered, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. To see God as residing in every human being, as indeed he does, is to open oneself to limitless opportunities for serving him. Paramhansa Yogananda in Autobiography of a Yogi described a saint who lived in this consciousness as the greatest man of humility I ever knew. He described a seemingly chance encounter with this saint. Another day found me walking alone near the Hauras rail, railroad, railroad station. I stood for a moment by a temple, silently criticizing a small group of men with drum and cymbals who were violently reciting a chant. How undevotionally they use the Lord's divine name in mechanical repetition, I reflected. My gaze was astonished by the rapid approach of Master Mahashaya. Sir, how come you're here? The saint, ignoring my question, answered my thought. Isn't it true, little sir, that the beloved's name sounds sweet from all lips, ignorant and wise? He passed his arm around me affectionately. I found myself carried on his magic carpet to the merciful presence. If you would see God, watch for him everywhere. If you would hear his voice, listen for it in all sounds and also in their supporting silences. If you would know God, seek his wisdom behind merely human knowledge. The Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter states, one who beholds my presence everywhere and all things dwelling equally in me, he never loses sight of me nor I of him through all eternity. Thus through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Welcome everybody to today's Sunday service and for those of you who are joining us online, welcome to all of you as well. And uh, for those of us who are here, we can look out the window and we can see it's a little bit dark 
A little bit gloomy today. We're halfway between rain and snow, which is predicted for today. And uh, for those of you who are here, you, I'll, you can take my word for it. It's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit gray today, and it's very much representative of winter. Winter time, that time of year we've entered into the shortest days of the year. It's going to be coming up pretty soon, and. I think we've all heard, perhaps, when we, uh, when we think about Christmas, we realize that we, nobody really knows what day Jesus was born on. And the church fathers, apparently, I think we've, many of us heard this, they set Christmas as the 25th December, very close to the solstice time, because it is that dark time of year. And what does Christmas offer us? It offers us hope. It offers us uh, the awakening of light, which is what's needed at that time of year when sometimes it's dark. In our own lives, when things are difficult, things are challenges, challenging to us, what is it that we need? We need that awakening of light. And so here we are in that Christmas season where the celebration of Christ's awakening within our own selves is coming up. The awakening outwardly or the birth outwardly of the baby Jesus is a representation of that awakening of the divine Christ consciousness within each one of us. And in the Christian tradition, this is also, for those of you who come from that background, this is a time of year of Advent. And today, Sunday, is the third of the four weeks of Advent. Now, I'm not sure if all of you know or can remember from childhood the uh, qualities of the different Sundays, the four Sundays. The first one is, any hand, hope. The second one is love. Now here we are today, this is the third. Anybody know the third quality? Excellent. I heard the voice. I don't see who, who but uh, today's the third Sunday before Christmas, third Sunday of Advent, and the quality of today is joy. Joy in the heavens, the joy of the awakening, coming of that Christ consciousness that's about to awake within each one of us, ideally. It awakens, and so we welcome it with that quality of joy. And so when the topic of today is living in God's presence, to live in God's presence, we have to feel God's presence. And this, think of this word, feel God's presence. Now we can feel something because something has stimulated us, but that's passive. Feel is also an active verb. Feel God's presence in our lives. And how do we do that? Well, today, joy. Feel joy, that's the quality for day. And at least I forget, there's a fourth one too. The last of the four is, of course, peace. Those four are the four qualities. And I'd like to begin, uh, this quotation I read a few weeks ago uh, crossed my path, and I read this, and I began thinking about it, and I realized that's what I wanted to speak to. And then, of course, relating, if I can, to this quality or this theme of today of living in God's presence. And this is something that uh, Swami Kriyananda wrote. He says, virtue 
is not founded on passive goodness, but on an active aspiration toward perfection. One who fails to enter energetically into the upward flow of evolution finds his spiritual faculties eventually atrophying. So I want to call your attention particularly to those two qualities he said, passive goodness versus active aspiration. We can feel because something happened, or we can feel God's presence. You see the difference between those two words? And if you understand the quality there, and that's what we're after here. And now, I think when Master's uh, teachings that we share with everybody, every here, everybody here is a good person. I don't think Master's teachings were really, people would be receptive to what he had to offer if they weren't a good person, if they were a bad person, quote, there's no real bad person, but if they had those negative qualities that basically dominated their consciousness, they're probably not going to be open to what Master has to offer. So all of us here, we're good people. I think I can say that confidently. But is it enough to be a good person? Certainly we need that, it's a prerequisite. And Swamiji's saying something here that something more is needed beyond being good. Now, I'm gonna tell a story I've told before, so some of you bear with me, but I like this story because it illustrates this point. And this was from when I was in Delhi some years ago, giving a class in Delhi, and I was giving a class about Kriya Yoga, and I was very fervent. I, was, I got worked up and energetic and enthusiastic about the topic, and I was exhorting people that, you know, this is something that's going to really change your life and help you, and so forth. And most of the audience was receptible. I say most, because not necessarily everybody was. And then afterwards, I gave the normal period of time for people to ask questions. And one lady there says, I live in the neighborhood, and I wanted to come by. I heard there was a program taking place here. I wanted to come by and see what this place was all about. And what you say is all very fine, but you know, I don't, it doesn't relate to me. Because I don't really wanna do all of that, that to rise up to what you're saying. I just wanna be a good person. I wanna be a good neighbor. I wanna do, I wanna do good deeds in life. I'm not, I'm not looking to be exalted and all that, so it doesn't, you know, and she was somewhat, I realized I was reaching so high in my enthusiasm that I might have been leaving her out, and I felt a little bit bad about that, and, but I answered her, I said, well, madam, it's wonderful what you're saying, very wonderful. I very much appreciate it and that you're, you're aspiring to do something good in life. I just wish there were millions and millions and millions more people just like you because you're doing a good thing. And then a little later though, you know, because I left it a little at that, a little later afterwards I followed up on that and I says, but you know, there's going to come a time when you're gonna want something more than being good. And when that time comes, come back, and we can help you, I think, with that. 
And so we, we parted on a very good note, you see. But, uh, but I realized there was nothing wrong with what she was doing, because that's where most people are. They're good. They're, they're wanting to live decent lives, and that should be encouraged. So it's nothing absolute. There's no negativity to that at all. But I think for devotees and master's teachings, he came to offer it. He came to the good, the people that have that. Now, of course, he came for everybody, really. It's not just that. But those who respond are people that have the ability to hear what is being said. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And he offered something more. Sometimes Swami would say, at about Ananda, he says, you know, people that are unhealthy, it's we, our teachings are not necessarily for unhealthy people, although they're help, they're really for people who are healthy already and want to get better. Because it takes a certain elevation to go, to follow, you might say, Christ's invocation, be thy perfect even as thy Father in heaven is perfect. Now that's a high commandment, really. I should say I looked up the word perfect in the, because I thought, what did he mean by that? Well, perfect is, comes, the translation comes from Greek, of course, of which the original gospels were written in Greek. And perfect in that sense said it meant complete. You see, something that's incomplete isn't perfect. To be perfect is to be complete. And isn't that really what we are, souls of Christ, soul, souls of, or sons of God or children of God? We're incomplete in the sense that we're enmeshed in this worldly environment, this duality, sense of duality, and our soul feels that, and it yearns to be complete. And what Christ was saying, he says, be thy perfect, and you're be that perfect, uh, that soul, that complete soul. And that's what we aspire to. And all of us, I think, are here participating because we yearn for that. We want to be like that. But if you're like me, who's dedicated in the sense, I've dedicated my life here to Nanda and just following Master's teachings, it can be hard sometimes. That continual, as he says here in this reading, striving, as, you know, aspiring, continue conscious aspiring as opposed to good, just being good, being virtuous in that way. And it reminds me of a story that uh, from Swami would tell about his own life. You know, when we read the autobiography of a yogi, we, th we think to ourselves, and Swami has reiterated this a little bit, he says, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to be with Master? That must have been just so great. And Swami said, yes, it was great. He says, but it was not easy to be with a great Master because he expected us, me, speaking of himself, he expected us to rise up to a very high level. And he says, oftentimes it seemed like a hotel. People were checking in and checking out because they would come in with that aspiration. But to hold one's consciousness up at that level, he says, was a, all the time was a very difficult task. And he said, even of himself, he had been there for some number of months. And he said he felt, he came into a point where he just felt a certain mental exhaustion. And he said, I just wanted to lie down on my bed and, and just do something diversion, a diversion of some sort, because I was just, 
had aspiration was just tiring me out. And he said, I just, this was very characteristic of Swami. I used to sort of chuckle when uh, I would hear him say this. He says, I just wanted to lay on my, my bed and read Shakespeare. <laughs> now, probably for me, it would be a mystery novel. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be Shakespeare. But for that was Swami, of course. He just wanted to, you know, to get into the language of Shakespeare. And it was just so relaxing for him to be able to perhaps come down a little bit. And, he, but again, he was feeling a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, guilty about that, you might say. But actually, Master told him, you know, and he had said, it was, he was the one who was the originator of that quote that is sometimes repeated. He said to Master, am I not trying hard enough? Because he, he didn't feel like he was making any progress. And Master said, the problem is, you're trying too hard, you see. And this is, the, this is duality, the duality we have to resolve within each of us, is on the one hand, we want to strive that constant spiritual aspiration, with also that practical side is that we just are not able to keep our consciousness up to that level. And so, bringing this up with Master, and Swamiji brought it up, and Master said, it's okay. It's okay. You can't keep your consciousness on that level, and I'm paraphrasing here. But he said, it's okay to have a few diversions, you know, to something that perhaps you, you like in Swami's case, reading Shakespeare. But I'm sure when he said that, he meant diversions that were sattvic diversions, not any old versions that might occur to us otherwise. And he says, but the caution here is, there are times when we, we just want to strive, but we realize we can't and we fall back. And the problem is, is falling back and sitting by the wayside, which is all my image would be, I'm tired. I want to just sit here by the wayside and rest, catch my breath. And of course, well, maybe I'll take a nap too while I'm at it. And my gosh, you know, this is a nice place to camp. I think I'll just camp out here. <laughs> and, and the next thing you know, you've built a house. <laughs> and oh, what was I doing? It's like that story of Narada, you know, you know, going to get a glass of water for Krishna. And the next thing you know, you're, what happened? And that's the, that's the you might say, the temptation. I think in all of us. And I know I've been tempted that way, but I keep having to remind myself, I'm resting, catching my breath, and in order to gather my forces to go forward. And so what I want, I, have, I want to read a quote that all of us as devotees who inevitably will find ourselves, I, I guess I shouldn't say inevitably, there are probably exceptions, but I think most of us can relate. We get to a certain point where we're tired. We get on a plateau, and then we have to gather our forces again. And we read whatever the equivalent of Shakespeare is for us, that, uh, that we have to summon up that aspiration and not rest too long, you see. Because what happens when we rest too long? We become passive. And for a devotee on the spiritual path, passivity, you know, to feel rather than to feel, you see, to be passive opens the door 
for old karma to come, for other things to enter in, diversions that will pull us away when we're not affirmative. And this is why Master would say, keep your attention here at the point between the eyebrows. Keep yourself affirming in that affirmative mood because that's what will protect you, the affirmative positive attitude. But it also, it, it invokes, when you're affirmative, it invokes that what you're aspiring to, rather than waiting, waiting for something. God is with you already, he would say. We must feel that, realize that, not wait for it. My quote is here. The pull of delusion is far stronger than most people realize. Because you see, when you're sitting on the wayside camped out, and the way to victory is not to close one's eyes to this pull while pretending that it doesn't exist. Rather, it is to live consciously in the thought of God's presence within, to meditate daily and deeply, and to offer one's life unceasingly as a channel of divine energy. And so consequently, live consciously in the thought of God's presence within, meditate daily and deeply, and to offer one's life up unceasingly as a channel of divine energy. And this is, this is the challenge of the spiritual life, to maintain that sense of positive, affirmant aspiration, which is, of course, calling on God, feeling God's presence in everything we do. But that in itself is not always so easy to do, to keep reminding ourselves to be in God's presence in everything we do. And I want to read another affirm or another quote here, this one from the Bhagavad Gita. But to preface it, I want to remind you of that another quote in the Gita. Well, this is the one I want to remind you of, the Gita, and the second quote will be from Swami. But we all know that there's a sloka in the Gita that talks about if one f indulges in sense objects, one becomes attracted to them from attraction, comes desire from the desire, frustration and anger, from anger, infatuation, Infatuation leads to forgetfulness of the higher self. Forgetfulness leads to degeneration of discrimination. It ends, I always uh, remembered this part, when discrimination is lost, there follows the annihilation of one's spiritual life. In other words, it's a slippery slope that we find ourselves in. But I think the point that's being made here is that when we're passive in our approach to God, and passive in our spiritual life, we find that our, we begin to, you might say, as the saying goes, go with the flow. Now, you think about that, go with the flow. Well, the real question is, where is the flow going? You see, because there are really, there are two flows, and this is implied in the first quote that I read. There are two flows. There's a flow upward that takes a little bit of effort and there's a flow in another direction toward engagement, attachment, getting involved in the annihilation of one's spiritual life. That flow doesn't take any energy at all, particularly. It's easy to roll a ball downhill. It doesn't take much energy, but to push that ball up is more difficult. And this is why the spiritual path is all referred to, and always referred to as an ascent, a climb upward, giving energy to something. And to keep ourselves engaged, 
in some positive way. But again, how do we do that? How do you keep that engaged? And this is where, after quoting that sloka, Swami Kriyananda comes back with an alternative sloka, which I had, I had read long ago, but I had completely forgotten, and I'd like to share it with you. And Swamiji says this, in response to that Gita sloka, I said, implicit in this warning of the Bhagavad Gita is a concomitant pro promise. For when a person concentrates on spiritual ideals, he feels himself increasingly attracted to them. From this attraction grows the desire to live by them. The desire to live spiritually develops into an intense yearning for God. Such divine yearning flames to impatience with anything that might prevent from one from realizing him. From this impatience with lesser realities arises total absorption in the consciousness of God. And from absorption ensues forgetfulness of the senses. And from sense forgetfulness arises indifference to worldly modes of thinking and behaving. Estrangement from worldly consciousness results in the complete annihilation of delusion. The exact opposite. <laughs> and what's that? What? And it didn't start. It, what did it start with? It started with when a person uh, contemplates and, and concentrates upon spiritual ideals. In other words, we don't have to be exalted in order to follow that path, to put our foot in the boat or our body in the boat that's floating upstream. All we need to do is concentrate, begin concentrate on spiritual ideals. And I think that's what brought all of us probably to the spiritual path, is we wanted those spiritual ideals. And when you want spiritual ideals, something spiritual, something positive, the world reciprocates and brings that to you. So sometimes we think, oh, I can't reach that height up there. But to get to the height, we take the first step that's right in front of us. What is positive? What is one positive thing I can do today, right now, tomorrow, the next day, and it all, so on and so on. And in the concentration of something positive, you put yourself in that boat that's going on upstream, but it's not, doesn't happen without making a conscious choice to do that. I am going to do this moment by moment. It won't happen just by floating. You know, you, when you float, <laughs> which way does the river take you? It takes you downstream. If you want to go upstream and you've got your little boat, you got to row. <laughs> In other words, you've got to row upstream, not float downstream. You don't float upstream. And if you, and sometimes I know when I was younger and that, that phrase, go with the flow, I sort of thought, oh yeah, I just go with the flow and I'll just naturally get to where I want to, I, my heart wants to be. But it doesn't work that way. You have to put out some effort. You have to use your will a little bit. A willing, and certainly be willing, and then you put a little energy out, 
And then we find that with that little bit of energy, God reaches down to lift us up. And so that's what's being asked of us. And today, Sunday, contemplating joy, what's being asked in the Advent is to feel that joy. Not to feel joy versus feel joy. You see the difference. That's we choose. God chooses those who choose him. I choose thee, Lord, only thee. And that's a moment-by-moment decision that all of us are enjoined or challenged to do, to take an affirmative position in our daily life and to live consciously, not just be aware, but consciously aware in everything that we do and for the positive, moving in a positive direction. And little by little, we find that that thing that we're consciously being aware of, affirming, becomes our reality. But start with, the, with that strong foundation. We must affirm that foundation, live by that foundation of being good. Goodness gives us the platform that then we can become perfect. Because that's, that's what's being asked of us. Be ye thou therefore perfect. And the process to doing that is to go back to what Swami said earlier, live consciously in the presence of the divine. And Christmas season, the hall, you know, the, the festival seasons in all countries, they have this. This is the reminding us to bring light into the day-to-day activities of what we're doing, especially when that light is needed, when things are dark. But we don't need to wait for darkness in order to turn on the light. Sometimes in our lives, we can keep that light shining in everything we do and every day. So God bless all of you, and I give you uh, my blessings and uh, wish you the greatest blessings in this Christmas season. Starting off with, what were those three, four things again? Hope, love, joy, peace. Let us concentrate on those and make them our reality. God bless all of you. Don't you hear that hymn? Good peace.
gathered in prayer. It's a day for worship, impious girl, impious girl, oh impious girl. It's a day for worship, impious girl. Don't speak here of earthly affairs. He turned then and entered the holy church. The girl wandered down the cold street, and there all at once she beheld a small boy, no jacket, no shoes for his feet. His clothing was shabby, as worn as her own. He shivered against a closed door. Alas, he cried, none will take me. Kindness broadens 
Sings the human heart Human heart The human heart For its kindness broadens the human heart I know I who died on the cross Worship means but love and my love you found by your gift to me here in the cold and she found their clothes were now woolen and wool and the shawl was now spun of fine gold